Um, hi, everybody. This is Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. And I, I just have happy news today. I mean, it, it's so dreary out there in the world. Um, we're not going to talk about any of that. What we're going to talk about is how incredibly strong the film industry is in New Orleans today. And Carol Morton, who basically runs our film show, so to speak, in the city of New Orleans, is going to is going to give us the stats and what's happening and, and why it's so important because you know it's not just about film production it is about all the ancillary creative functions that are spawned by film everything from carpentry to painting to um, uh, writing uh, all kinds of creative uh, functions uh, play into filmmaking and that's why it's 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 incredibly important for us Carol Morton is head of the mayor's office of film, the film commission still, is it still called the film commission? It's actually in New Orleans called the film office, but it functions as a film commission. Okay, so um, give us the facts, give us some of those initial stats that are just mind blowing, quite frankly. Yes, so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for having me, Jean, I'm always so excited to talk about the success of the film industry. And we have seen uh, just an exponential growth in the film industry since 2017. And I think there's two things that I can relate to why that happened in 2017. In 2017, we had kind of repaired a, a glitch that we had with the film tax credits in 2015, 16. The tax credits didn't go away but they were uh, restructured in a way that was not really beneficial to the film industry to the extent that we could market them strongly enough. So the film industry stayed with us. We continued to host film, um, but not at the level, the trajectory that we started on in 2017. What also started happening around 17, 2018 is the dramatic increase in streaming services. And so because of the change in what I would call the distribution model of film and television series, content was um, consumed by the consumer in their home, which allowed for just opened up the film industry to streaming platforms and other, you know, on your laptop ways that you could um, engage and, and enjoy content. And because of that, there was just an explosion, an exponential in explosion in the demand for content. So how did that impact New Orleans in 2017? New Orleans was, um, because of the success that we had building up to that, a film-ready city, meaning that we had all of the elements that are required for, to become a production hub. And a production hub, it's a city that can um, host film production and has the infrastructure that can stand up for the film industry. We have the, the businesses, the um, equipment companies, as Jean mentioned, we have a lot of creatives that work here in the industry, catering companies, and we have studios. We also have a very strong workforce and we did in 2017 and they all need a union trained workforce, which was very strong in 2017. But since then we have continued to grow along with the content demand. And as that content demand 
just continues to increase. I mean, certainly during the pandemic, it became insatiable. Major studios are looking toward production hubs to produce their content for them. And so we have continued to benefit from that investment by the major film studios, our relationship with them, our valuable tax credits, which are capped as they should be, but also very valuable and useful for the film industry, our deep union crews. So since 20, I would say beginning in 18, 19, in 19, we did um, $892 million, which back in the day, everybody talks about how, you know, years ago in 2014, 13, 15, that we had this really booming film industry, but, you know, we really never did more than 600 million. So that went up exponentially um, between 18 and 19. In 20, which was the COVID year, we did an incredible 475 million, um, which compares to what we did in 2015, which was about 290 million. And we did that during a COVID. Wait, you said how much? 70, how much? 475 in a COVID year. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so last year um, in 2022, 2021, um, we did just under a billion dollars. I mean, it's just amazing. And um, yes. so it is, are the legislators who have the, their hands on the controls of the tax incentives, which let's face it, tax incentives move the needle up mm -hmm. or down for yeah. any place in the world that wants to film production. Because uh, imagine if you're a big film producer, you're, you're talking millions of dollars that it costs you to do a, 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 a production. And, um, you know, they, they uh, um, we, we, we almost lost our lunch totally when we started fooling around with the cap and the time frame. And next thing you know, Atlanta kind of ate our lunch. They, they were not a major uh, site for production until we had um, a diminution of the business here due to pulling around with the tax credit. So do the legislators now get it? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's two things here. And one is, yes, you're right, Jean. Yes, they ate our lunch during that time period. That was a time of exponential growth. Um, but we've still held our position as a fourth major production hub. So the only cities in the United States that produce have host more film production and produce more content in the New United York. States of America, Los Angeles first, New York, Atlanta, and us. So we have maintained our fourth position behind Atlanta. And the thing about Atlanta, which is very different from our industry, is that the reason why they are a very strong number three, and so is New York and so is LA, is because they're vast studio system. I mean, they have a tremendous, like 10, 15 times more than we have. They also have an uncapped program that incentivizes star salaries. You know, there's no cap on the salaries. So they pay tax credits on, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds, $50 million, you know, whatever, whatever he earns, $20 million a film. We don't do that because that's money leaving our state. So what we have really done is structured the tax credits purposefully so that they are targeting production, say, with budgets of $100 million or less. 
And so that has become our bread and butter, which if you think about it, that is almost all television production falls into that category. So our limitations are not that strong or that big, except we're not gonna host a Marvel film. That's really the difference between us and them. Um, and so, what, I'm sorry, what was your other question that you asked other than- To the legislative the Senate. Oh, the legislators. Yeah, thank you for asking that. And so legislators change about every two years, there's an election. So we don't have the same legislators that we had in 15 or 17 or, you know, over the years. So it's a, it's, it's a continuing education as we call it. And so we take advantage of, and by we, I'm talking about the Louisiana Film and Entertainment Association, which is the lobbying arm of the film industry in the state of Louisiana. They're not part of city government. It's private, privately funded, but Give it is a lot. Again, please, Louisiana Film and Video. And entertainment and entertainment. entertainment. Yes. Louisiana it's Film and Entertainment. Finish this at the title. Yes. Oh, it's Louisiana Film and Entertainment Association. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that uh, Jason Wagensback is one of the people I know who's involved with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And ahead. I am too. I'm on the serve on the executive board with Jason. Um, so I advised as well at, you know, at that level. And so what we what we do every single legislative session is do education, which is really what every industry does to say, hey, this is our industry. This is where we are. This is our success in the industry. Um, and this is the program that we need to continue to invest in. And all industries do that. The film industry is the only tax credit program in Louisiana that is required to do an in economic impact study every other year. So next year we have to produce an impact study and present it to the legislature to show a return on the film tax credits. We have at least 150 to 200 other tax credit programs and none of them have to do an economic impact report to show that they're giving a return on the tax credits that are paid to them. Interesting. The, yeah, and the biggest recipient of tax credits in the state of Louisiana is the oil industry. Of course, yes. which we, I'm sure they get a return on their investment. So. And doesn't generate nearly the jobs that the film industry generates. Yes, no, it does not. And what, it, I, and what is the number? Do you have a, a number on the number of jobs, uh, not necessarily directly paid right. by the film company, but from all the other um, contractors that produce mm -hmm. uh, things that are needed uh, for the production of a film? I believe that's about 10,000 jobs, direct and indirect jobs. Um, indirect it, and direct? Yeah, indirect okay. and direct jobs. I think it's approximately 10,000. Like it could okay. be 11,000 or something like that. And that's, that's throughout the whole state, right? State. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. The other thing that um, the film industry does that I don't think uh, the oil people do or, or any of the other incentive-based uh, industries is um, give back some of that money for the purposes of um, education training of people in the industry. I mean, the uh, uh, I think forget exactly what it's called, the film uh, mm -hmm. foundation um, that the uh, Louisiana Economic Development uh, Department uh, runs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so uh -huh. that's, that's uh, I don't think a lot of people realize um, that that exists. No, it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great program. So the way that it works, it's um, Louisiana Entertainment Fund. And so when production companies um, get a, their tax credits, when their tax credits are awarded, the state takes out 2% of what they are awarded. So they are awarded um, 90% of the face value of their tax credit. So the state takes out 10% over the top and it's, you know, it's for managing the film tax credit program. So they take out cost. So production companies only receive 90% of their face value of the actual tax credit. But out of that 90%, they contribute 2% to the Louisiana Entertainment Fund. And so they actually um, take 88% is what they receive in tax credits. And that entertainment fund has been an incredible success um, in the state of Louisiana because those funds have been awarded to Novak, New Orleans Video Access Center that does workforce training to train people for jobs in the film industry, both here in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge, but also um, to other nonprofits, a cool cooperative, which is working with um, young children from disadvantaged communities to be trained and have opportunities learn to uh, make films and be filmmakers, but also um, the Film Prize, which is uh, based in Shreveport, and also several of our educational um, institutions, including LSU. Is there a list somewhere of, of, of all those awards? I'd love to um, have that as part of the, um, if, if, if have, has there been a press release that they've put out at some point that lists them all or? Or is it online somewhere? I will check for Eugene because that's really a great question. Um, I think people yeah. would really uh, that would hit home to people uh -huh. when they they see the list because it and and I'll bet uh, somebody has the number of youth primarily as youth that have benefited from that program. And so that's another number that I think would help people understand the importance of the industry. Because I think, you know, that we went through a period yeah. of time there where unfortunately due to, um, I thought, uh, a not totally objective investigation that was being done by one of the media um, oh. that kept um, uh, hounding uh, away at this one particular company that may not have, played according to the rules and right. it poisoned the entire perception of the industry in terms of people feeling like, oh, we're giving money to all those rich people in LA. That's not what it's about. We're, we're, we're uh, providing incentives to make sure that those industries do come here. And then this fund is, is a, again, a, a lanyap in a sense where they're yeah. giving us back something that really makes a difference in terms of developing our workforce. Because again, you mentioned earlier that a key part of, uh, of what's attractive about New Orleans as a production center is crews, is uh -huh. professional trained crews. And so when we first started working after getting the film industry, we didn't have those crews on the no. ground. They were bringing all their people in from LA and wherever. Um, and uh, gradually we were beginning to, uh, first of all, attract people to actually live here, but um, also uh, look for job, uh, provide the training that's necessary for people to be able to benefit from it. So I'd love to have that number of, um, I'd like to, I'd love to have two numbers. Um, how many trained professional film 
production people for all the different kinds of jobs, you know, from, I don't know what you call them, gaff holders to photographers and, and so on, all the people who build the sets. There's a huge set right now that you can see from Judge Perez Drive that went up at the ranch for um, the Empire uh, interview with a, a vampire series vampire. being shot here. And um, that, that's one example. Somebody had to build all that. And that's, that's, that's again, uh, taking it to um, the, the ancillary kind of work that comes out of this. So any kind of numbers about um, uh, organizations that have benefited from the fund and also the number of people who now comprise our kind of on the ground source of uh, trained um, people uh -huh. working in the film industry would be great numbers to have. Yeah, so I can give you the, not the first, but I can give you the second one, okay. absolutely. So to work on a major television series or film, so if you're, you have a budget, if you're a filmmaker, if you're an independent filmmaker and you have a budget of about a million, uh, around a million dollars. So it could be a million dollars and some change or 900 and something million, but a million dollars is really the jumping off point where you are required to um, employ an entirely unionized crew. Uh, below that, you can do, you can hire whoever you want. And they don't have to be um, union members. So 95% of what we shoot in New Orleans is uh, our, our higher union crew. So our local union crew base is about 2,100 people for all of the unions. Oh, okay. It's about 2,100 and we can crew up for an extraordinary 20 to 21 union film and TV productions. That's a very high number. We're also continuing to train the New Orleans Film Office, um, provides funding for workforce training to Novak, and we will be doing actually a training beginning next month. And thereafter, about every other month, we'll do a training program. So we're always looking for additional funding for Novak so that we can continue that training. And we have worked on in conjunction with the union, Novak, the film office, um, as well as the union, IATSE 478, to um, create an internship pathway for our trainees. So to get on a film set and to be a pay, an intern, you have to be paid. So somebody can't just go volunteer and get on a film set because you have to be insured and you have to be paid. So we're working on that um, piece of our program. But I can tell you that we did a workforce training program uh, in early fall last year, probably August, and 25 individuals were trained to work in grip and electric. And all 25 of those graduates from the program were employed immediately on film sets. Wow, as that is a great number. Yes, you can use that number. They yeah, were hired as PAs. Because I think a lot of training. people question the efficacy of training programs, and and it's it's a it's a very difficult area of of being able to evaluate and, and achieve the results that people want. So we know that historically, there's a lot of hits and there's a lot of misses, but that's a hit. That's a big hit. That's great to know. And so that's yeah. something you're really uh, uh, putting energy into. 
Yes, yes. So all of the elements of a production hub have continued to grow here, um, including the infrastructure piece, which my office is partnering with LED and other partners to um, pitch major studios, our clients, I call them our clients, Disney, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, they're all shooting here right now. Um, and Say they that do. Again. Disney, who else? I can go there. All of them shoot here. So Disney, Disney um, always has a show here. They just wrapped on two. Amazon has four projects filming here right now. AMC, which produces Interview with a Vampire, has three TV series that they're producing here right now. So Interview with a Vampire being the first one. The second one is the Mayfair Witches. Um, so AMC purchased all of Anne Rice's catalog or 18 books of her catalog. And they are producing um, content that they think could probably take them 10 more years to produce because they have so much content. Mm -hmm. So the three TV series we're hosting at this moment are the Mayfair Witches interview. And we just got a new one called The Driver which is not a part of the Anne Rice universe. So AMC is creating an Anne Rice universe. And as far as we know, they're producing all of that content here in New Orleans. So we have three AMC shows. We have a Hulu show. We have um, four Amazon shows. We have an NBC Universal show. We have um, an ABC show, Queer Spoke. We have... Um, a Netflix show. We always have a Netflix show. We just uh, wrapped on two Disney shows at the beginning of the year. We usually always have at least two Disney shows. We have um, an HBO project right now. So that would be the major studios that we have shooting in the city right now. But they're always here uh, so on a regular basis. So, so uh, uh, describe for me, um, I, I, I outlined it just barely about um, how um, mm -hmm. film work uh, throws off jobs in other um, mm. categories of the creative industries. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Being a little bit more specific with me about the kinds of jobs that are generated um, uh, in, in, in the city as a result of the film industry being here. Yeah, so I mean, that's a great question, Jean. You're asking great questions. Thank you for that. I appreciate I, it. I, you know, I, I was around in yeah. the, when, when, when I personally founded the Mayor's Office of Tourism, Arts and Entertainment, which became your office. There yeah. was no film production here. We had no studios and everybody was talking about them and it wasn't happening. I think Susan Brennan's was the first. I don't yeah. really remember. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and it's just been onward and upward since then. But to go from zero to I don't know how many stu how many studios do we have now? We just added we one seven, of these. We seven? have seven in the region, and we have um, eighteen stages in the region. So that would be like that's New Orleans, that's the ranch out in Saint Bernard, Coyote Studios uh, at past the airport in uh, Saint James Parish. And we have, um, I, I, that's pretty much it. And then we have one in Jefferson Parish. We have NIM Center in Jefferson Parish and rest of the other stages are inside of New Orleans. Uh, but you're right, Susan Brennan was the first 
So we have um, 18 stages. All of those uh, studios are 18 stages. But in addition to that, we have productions that film in warehouses, literally warehouses. So we have a small studio um, in Jefferson Parish called G Street Studios. G and Street? that was a G Street. It's called G, G Street, Street Studios. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they kind of started as a warehouse, a great warehouse conversion. So I wanted, I don't want to downplay this. They did a great job, but they've just added on to their stages and have really become a full stage. Um, so it's, huh? been, it's all really exciting stuff. And you saw in the paper the other day that Anthony Mackey is also opening yeah. in New Orleans East, which is yeah. amazing news for us. Right for New yeah. Orleans East, yeah. 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 So let's. I saw the my the, my my foundation question on this was tell me about all the other kinds of jobs, the ancillary jobs that get generated as a result of films being and videos being shot here. Yes, and also a sampling. Yeah. So it, there's two creatives work directly on crews, but also they are ancillary jobs too. Uh, because a, a, a film production is divided between the actual production side, where you have like the producer, the locations team, uh, the transpo team, that is really, that's all on the production office, that is all like on the business side, the business production side, but there's a creative side on every single film set which starts with the director and the director of photography, but it's also the wardrobe department. It's the costume designer. It's also um, set decoration. It's also um, uh, the people, I can't think of their name, the, the greens department that, that does all of the flowers and the greening and the staging of all of that. Um, the construction guys um, are kind of run on both sides because they're also are building sets, they're construction people, but they're doing it at the direction of the set decorator and designer. So a set designer designs what they build. So that's kind of a hybrid department. So a lot of those people obviously work on film productions, you know, wardrobe team can be 10 people or more. And Wardrobe is an incredibly creative part of the industry and people who work in wardrobe, those people then, for example, to use a really good example, they will go out and they purchase primarily most of their clothes in the city of New Orleans or the other elements that they need for wardrobe and they purchase that. So they work with people in the city who would sell that to them, who can understand what it is that they're looking for and provide it to them. So it's kind of the people working on the production and then outside of the production. And the same thing goes for all of the creative portions of the industry on the greens department. It's the same thing. They're also buying greens from other people. They're also buying other elements that they need. Set decoration, the same thing. They're gonna go up and down Magazine Street and they're going to buy antique pieces of furniture. They're going to buy um, chandeliers or rent them for a period of time. Um, they're going to utilize their expertise on all of those things, particularly if you think about a show interview with a vampire, which is a great example. It's a period piece. It's set in 1915. So they have to do a period of the city of New Orleans. So they have to make it look like that. And every single, every single element when they're filming 
exterior particularly has to align with that area and also with their um, vision of creating the right kind of set. So if they're filming in the French Quarter, all the lighting has to be changed and replaced. They have to put up other elements on the outside of the building. So historic lighting that they would have to buy or reproductions of it here in the city. They have to dust the street with mud. They have to um, add other elements that would be appropriate. Even, even mud, we can even make money from our mud. <laughs> yeah, we can even make money Love from it. our mud, our dusting of our mud. So, and I, I, what, I, what I want to say is like the things that we're touching on, which is local crew uh, that can actually work directly on the production. And each production hires about 200 people to 250 people to work directly on the production in those departments. So construction department, locations department, wardrobe department. So generally that is primarily local people that they hire. Occasionally they'll hire non-local people, but they're incentivized to hire local. But it's also the money that circulates in, the, uh, in our economy. And I wanna say that we have some lumber companies that are local lumber companies where 40% of their business is selling lumber to build film sets. So that is an incredible contribution. And so if you think about between the catering and the purchases that they make or the things that they rent up and down Magazine Street and in other parts of the city and the French Quarter and other places, that those are all dollars that are circulating in our city and in our industry. Not, not to mention the partners of the people who are actually on the production crew who are just have nothing else to do but go up and down Magazine Street and <laughs> themselves, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, well, there's always that. There's always that. Yeah. yeah. So 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 it's it's huge it, it really is huge and i hope people really appreciate it um and and tell me right now how what is your view going forward um i guess you do some kind of you know economic analysis of your trends going forward what um take me forward yes so for that's uh, you know nothing but opportunity. We have nothing but opportunity in the city of New Orleans. So as we continue to hold our position as fourth major production hub, and what that, what that really means in reality is that we get looked at all the time. So I receive phone calls. I can receive phone calls, emails three times a week, at least, if not more, from major productions who want to come to the city. I talk to producers at Netflix. In fact, I'm having a call with him after I get off the talk with you and interested in coming to the city to film. So the interest is very strong in New Orleans where we are a very known entity to the film industry. Um, and by that, I would say the executives um, who run those studios Okay, so, so um, we are a known entity, but Carol, yes. let's let's give you some credit. It sounds to me from the detail I just heard from you for the past uh, 30 minutes, um, you're on top of this. And so you uh, have got to be a factor in their considerations. If you weren't doing your job well, um, they would fall off. They would go find somebody in another city that they could work with. So I have to, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, um, uh, 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 burnish your uh, metals or something, but I, I, I don't know what the right metaphor for that is, but I, I think that you have to take some credit for doing your job well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. 
Yes, the film office, yes. And, and the support you're getting, of course, from your mayor and, and from yep. um, Alexa, who's a head of your department, uh, at least uh, Alexa, Alexa, rather, yeah. um, who, uh, you know, these are people who are got your back. Yes, absolutely. And one of the other elements, if you look at successful film production hubs, is cooperation of both state and local government for the very reason you just outlined. They have to come to the city of New Orleans and work with us on film permits. Every location where the, you see the trucks and you see them filming, that was the permit that was issued by my office. Not only issued by my office, but managed by my office. So as you know, this can have some challenging impacts on the community. And we take this very, very seriously in terms of responding to issues that our community has, because we have to find a balance between hosting production, but understanding that our in industry is a part of what we're doing. I mean, they're an element if they're filming on the streets. So I think we do a great job at that. It's also, it's also a benefit to the film industry if that is well managed well. So every element that is managed well, that is addressed by the film office is very important to the industry. I mean, if you think about it, they're not a restaurant who is doing business on private property. I mean, they are when they're at a film set and they're inside of a studio, that film set is inside of a studio, that's private property. But once they drive in those trucks and they're out on the streets, they're not on private property, they're on studio yeah. property. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I live, of course, um, around the corner from uh, the Bonacci house where they've been shooting the yeah. um, interview with a vampire. And they, they've, they've clogged up by road pretty good. But um, honestly, uh, other than not being able to get down that one block, maybe, um, I, I don't feel that they've had um, a deleterious effect. In fact, I, I get a much more angry with um, wedding um, wedding planning in, in, in my area where um, I basically have to listen to Sweet Home Alabama every weekend sometimes. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not happy about that, I can tell you. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, by the way, that our uh, efforts to come up with new um, uh, regulations controlling uh, live music are going to be a little bit more intentional and proactive in yeah. helping us to, to put live music out or put it in locations in neighborhoods where it will quote, do no harm uh, to residents. So I, I think yes. that that's doable. And if we are a little bit more um, intentional about how we work yes. on that, we won't have the controversy that's inevitable with neighborhood organizations um, yes. and, 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 and have a war over it. And uh, I can tell you that yeah. I would much rather see um, a wedding uh, planned um, on Bayou Road, let's say, where it's not quite so close to uh, as many um, residents as uh, it is uh, on our block, um, that kind of thing. I think throughout the city, I don't know, this is not your purview, but um, no, no. to the extent that you can uh, add your voice to this no. uh, in terms of how, because uh, I'm sure that live music uh, ultimately uh, is an issue sometimes for other, your productions on the street, so. Yes, it, it, it that, is. Yeah, and I will say this, and I, but from a film standpoint, I can appreciate what you're saying. And I think that one of the successes, I can only speak for film, that we have had, and we, and we work at this all the time, so it's not perfect, but we really try hard to do the best that we can with it. Um, and I think we're pretty successful is um, listening to your community and mm -hmm. listening to 
your residents. And so if we see consistent behavior or problems or issues, we do something about it. We do something about it. And it can vary what that doing something about is, but we never, never, ever um, discount what our community says or what they film, feel about filming. I mean, the city owns the city streets, so we have a right to rent them to the film industry. But at the same time, we need to always listen to our, our community in terms of how much it's rented and how it's managed. And I, I would imagine in a lot of ways this can apply to um, the sound ordinance as well, but I don't know. So I don't work on, on that side. I know that's Fletcher. Yeah. That's not um, I, this yeah. has been um I, I just it's such a such a positive story for our city. Yeah. It really is. I it, it must yeah. be a pleasure to uh wake up and go to work every morning and know that you're going to generate another opportunity for the creatives in the city and and on and on down the line, as you said, catering yeah. and yeah. there's all kinds of uh, jobs yeah. of, at all levels that uh, uh, come out of uh, this. So um, one last, uh, I can't help but ask again, um, uh, is there something in particular you see on the horizon that mm -hmm. is um, just a, a big story? I do. And so it's, it's not a big story that we can particularly uh, talk about completely, but this is what I am seeing in the industry is the amount of consistent filming that we have had and consistency is is really important because consistency in this industry uh certainly can can and does i've experienced i've seen it and experienced it leads to more investment and more investment is what i would anticipate seeing in terms of infrastructure so more um infrastructure coming online and it's infrastructure isn't just film studios, it's also film industry businesses. We've seen a lot of growth. Um, you know, years ago, everybody was like all on to, you know, we have to have poster, we don't really have a real film industry. I mean, it's actually not true because it's become a lot more complex than that, but we have, um, we actually have an amazing VFX company, Crafty Apes that LED and I brought in. Um, amazing what industry, I'm sorry. A VFX company. FX and VFX, which is special effects. And oh, okay. uh, yeah, and so they do work on all the major projects that are produced. They work on Stranger Things and other big projects like that. And so we brought them in and they decided to um, open an office in Baton Rouge and not New Orleans, but that's great because you want them in the so, state. Yeah. Right. What, so, what, what is the name of the company? It's called Crafty Apes. Craft what? Crafty Apes, A-P-E-S. Yeah, it's a film industry. Crafty. Name. <laughs> Crafty. So, um, yes. this, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's just a, it's it's an ongoing great story. And um, I uh, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. Also, I, when I go to restaurants, uh, and I am returning to restaurants a little bit, and not uh, mm -hmm. a lot, but uh, I'm out there. I, I can look in the room and I can see the film people. You know, it's not yeah. hard to pick them out. You know, they wear baseball caps and, and um, you know, they their clothes are a little bit more um, trendy and so on and so on. So I know that in addition, as we said, to what we've been talking about in terms of the direct 
production that impacts the, the film itself, uh -huh. the video itself. You've got them out there in our city, renting spaces, uh -huh. buying spaces, buying clothes, eating yes. at our restaurants. You know, that, that um, uh, I'm sure it's, yeah. you, you've done some analysis on that and we'll increasingly be able to um, uh, put numbers on, on that. And I, I know it's gonna be huge. Carol, um, uh, thank you and congratulations for the job you're doing. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, it makes all the difference in the world that it gets done right and um, onward. Thank you, Jean, and thank, thank you for all the work that you've done over these years and you continue to do um, for the culture of the city of New Orleans. I'm just, I really a, cheerleader. I'm just a cheerleader. That's my job. Yeah, I'm but you're a good cheerleader. You know, you're good at it. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for shining a light, light on these opportunities for the city. Uh, Mary Beth Romick is one of the people who um, helps get folks to our city. She works with the New Orleans and Company, our tourism agency, and then take care of them when they're here. And so she's been working with the folks that are here for the final four. And we probably don't think a lot about it because you know they're here for the games, but when you come to New Orleans, you're here for New Orleans. So the question I have uh, essentially, Mary Beth, is um, you know, what else are people doing and are they? I mean, I saw a tour group, quite frankly, right at the house at the corner, the Free People of Color Museum. So that, and today again, so I know that folks are out uh, doing tours, doing other things. So give me a little a bit of a feel for, um, you know, what, what's going to be going on and what we can expect as a result of the games being here. Well, there are a lot of activities that are available to people starting Friday that are directly associated with the game or the games themselves, like the free practice day, um, there's Fan Fest, there's the music festival. Um, those go on all weekend long. But then again, we are also sharing ideas with folks who are asking us, sending us email, maybe contacting us via social media about other things to do. So we tell them about the Garden District walking tours, our art galleries, we share with them news about the Sazerac House or perhaps starting your visit with uh, a visit to View Orleans, the new observatory tower atop the Four Seasons Hotel. So you get an idea. Oh, wow, I didn't even know what, about that. Oh yeah, so you know, up there, when you start your visit, think about this, you start your visit at, in New Orleans by going there and really seeing the landscape of New Orleans and understanding. Right, you can understand uptown, downtown, towards the right. river. Right, and why we're calling North, South, East, West don't work. Yeah, and it gives you the idea of uh, why we're called the Crescent City because of the shape of the river and really the message that we are a, a community that is, and we all know this very well, driven by the concept of water. And so when you go up, to that observatory at View Orleans, you get the idea that we really are shaped by the water that surrounds us. And then we share with them ideas about going into the bywater and checking out the uh, galleries and museum, I mean, the restaurants and the bywater, and really talking about all the neighborhoods and that New Orleans is much more than just the French Quarter. So you really have to get out and see the different uh, parts of the city how the architecture changes from around the city. Maybe take a streetcar ride along St. Charles Avenue to River Bend and into Carrollton. That's Petty always crab, a great thing Petty for crab, guests to do. Raleigh, you know, a yeah. streetcar or, um, and, and actually the city buses, 
go all over the city. I really think we should use our city buses more often as this is true. City. Yeah, so we just try to give them uh, the bigger picture. But then, of course, sometimes they want to focus on uh, Fan Fest. I mean, excuse me, the final four games itself. But there's a lot of free time now. The games are Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then Monday night. So what do you do? Oh, if, yeah. So they, they really will be. How do you fill your place. Sunday? How do you fill, fill your Monday during the day? <laughs> right. So we exactly. have a lot of suggestions for anybody who wants to ask. And you know, another interesting thing we have, Gene, is I've already been I've already been speaking with two um, news stations that are coming in, one from North Carolina and one from Kansas, and they also want to know where they can go once they're on the ground tomorrow to give a flavor of New Orleans to the people back in their respective cities and states. And um, so it's almost like uh, this incredibly beautiful opportunity for us to have free commercials about New Orleans. Exactly. Um, so yeah. that's the beauty and benefit of landing such an event as a Final Four or a Super Bowl. It's it's all the other things that come along with it. <laughs> not to mention, if I'm not mistaken, I just caught for a second a headline on, the, on uh, one of the news shows last night. I probably had it silenced for a minute. And it said that the hotels are full. Is that true? Uh, pretty much so. Downtown is particularly... Uh, starting uh, Friday night and into Sunday. Yes, ma'am, we are almost at 100% occupancy. But if I can share a, a personal story with you, um, this is just an anecdotal story, if you will. So we have a, a, a colleague of my husband um, who called him uh, Monday night and said, hey, there's about 30 of us that are Duke alums who are coming in town from all over the country and I just wanted you to know, because they're working out some business arrangement. And um, he said, we're staying at a house on Henry Clay. So they must be renting some house uptown. Full I don't house. know if it's all 30 of them. But yeah. so there's a lot of uh, people who are coming in town that won't be necessarily registering inside of a hotel. So um, this could be cool. huge. Yeah, we have. So and you know things. what happened is Forbes magazine online called and they said, can you tell us any anecdotal stories about groups that might be coming to town and uh, the demand that's related specifically to the Duke North Carolina game? And so I gave her this gentleman's phone number. And so the story was posted yesterday and had she not spoken to him, I don't know how she would have shaped her story, but it was all about this group of Duke alum coming into New Orleans um, on a last minute whim to see Coach K, uh, before his retirement, one of the greatest coaches in college basketball, because he's retiring after the weekend. What a story. I love that story. That is great. Now, yeah. Uh, oh, and the, let me tell you one more thing. The headline <laughs> says they'll crown a champion in New Orleans, but the real winner is the city itself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost the closing line, but I, I can't resist. Oh, I wanted to ask you, those two events that you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, um, I don't know that much about them, but, but some of them are public and people from New Orleans can go to, right? Yeah, so the Fan Fest is uh, sponsored by Capital One. That's in the Morial Convention Center. And that's just like a big, gigantic basketball playground. So kids will love it. Uh, they'll have autograph sessions with former basketball stars. It's just a bevy of activity inside the convention center, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and they can go to NCAA men's final four website 
for the uh, times of the event. And then the other one is the music festival out at Waldenburg Park with some pretty nice um, national acts playing music. And then Trombone Shorty will close that out on Sunday evening. So that's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And there's a small ticket price for the Fan Fest for 13 and above, unless you are a Capital One card holder, but the music festival is free. So um, give me the logistics. So if you're going to the convention center, uh, time frame, uh, hours, and uh, parking. Um, parking is in the convention center parking lots. Um, and then the hours vary. The convention center. Yeah. That's correct. Um, and the hours vary uh, by day, but 12 to 7 on Friday, 10 to maybe 9 on Saturday. I should know this by heart, and I don't. Um, Sunday, about the same time as Saturday, and then Monday, it's open during the day, again, noon to 7. And the uh, music, the music starts in the afternoon around 3 or 4 o'clock and goes on into the evening. I think one night it goes on till 10 o'clock. That might be Saturday night. I wouldn't want to be on... Um on uh, Bourbon Street at 11, because that's when the whole crowd's gonna move <laughs> over there. They just say, uh, it just sounds so great for um, everybody, for the, the national coverage we're gonna get from it, the uh, experience that people are gonna have here, and our own residents can enjoy it too. So that, that's, a, yes. that's a threefer, right? Yes, and you know, every time they go in and out of commercial break, they're going to show something about New Orleans on national television. And certainly they've been playing a lot of uh, uh, vignettes about New Orleans in the weeks leading up to the game. And you know this better than uh, most people in the city. No city looks like New Orleans. No city can show the kind of cultural excitement that New Orleans showcases to the world. And that's marching bands and brass bands and musicians and artists working, just all of that color that comes with what makes New Orleans such a cultural uh, capital. And, and that'll be showcased on national television. I, I, and, and I just want to say that I always uh, put it this way. I always say the past is not past in New Orleans. Our cultural legacy is hundreds of years old and it's still going. It's not something you read about in the books. You do, as you said, see it on the streets. And also, I mean, we're always creating something new. So I love pointing out that the latest twerk, twerking dance that people are, you know, featuring on TikTok and things like that, that was born here, just like jazz and funk and a lot of rock yeah. and roll. And just, we, we are a very, very creative place. And um, we are. I thank you, Mary Beth Romy, for making sure that Thank you. Know it, get here and and have a great experience. Thank I you like so the way much. you I like the way you describe my job. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> <laughs> Getting them here and making sure they have a good time. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mary Beth.